Welcome to TUSB Conversation Starters, microcast that present top insights from a network of global experts. Today, we are speaking with counseling therapist Deepak Kashyap on the idea of psychological safety at work. What does it mean? Why it matters? And how can we build it within our teams? You know, we are discussing this topic called nurturing psychological safety in the workplace. And my first question to you, what is it like? What is psychological safety in the workplace and what does it look like? Well, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for having me. Uh, it means a lot. Um, I think psychological safety, as, a, as far as I see it, is, is a common belief and a palpable feeling that the environment at my workplace is safe and conducive to taking uh, interpersonal risks, to talk to someone, to, to, to sort of realize that I'm not going to be shot down and valued at this workplace. And this is a safe space, emotionally speaking, to uh, learn, be creative, make mistakes, uh, and still not be chided for it, uh, either in words or hierarchical dominance or, or anything of the sort that sort of makes me wonder twice should i speak up or not because we at the end of the day we have to remember people leave work for three m's money if they're not being paid well managers if they are not being managed properly and meaning if they're not meaningfully uh, attached to their work if they're not meaningfully connected to their work and all of these three m's are affected by how they feel does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, you've put it beautifully, money, manager, meaning. But is this a latest study out here? Because let me say five years back, were, pe were people talking about all these things? Or do you think oh, this has just come up? It's just five minutes old, really. Like, <laughs> nobody, I think people looked at employees as a, as a means to achieve the end of profit. Now we are sort of coming to a point where you're looking at people as not mutually exclusive of profit or at the other end of profit. Now you're looking at that if you invest in people, that's when you are investing in your bottom line as well. So this whole idea of people, purpose, planet is what makes the other P of profit meaningful. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking, right, you know, when people are hiring, when organizations go out and hire, there are a lot of times when, as they say, their wrong hiring has happened because the individual is not in line with the company's policy and the way the culture is. In that case, how does psychological safety work for the other person, for the person who's getting employed? A lot of the times it does happen that, you know, people get hired for all sorts of reasons that were not aligned with the job description, right? But a lot of the times when people do get hired and they say they're not in line, they also, what they mean is they're not falling in line. They're mm -hmm. not taking orders really well. They are insubordinate. They are, which is, <laughs> which is just shorthand for saying that they also think a lot. They have a lot of ideas. But, you know, very few people hire people who are inconfident if the hiring is done being done correctly. Inconfident people generally don't get hired as much. Ignorant people don't get hired as much. Incompetent people don't get hired as much. But if after being hired, they're not able to perform 
or show the skills on the basis of which they were hired, that somewhere is the company's responsibility to have a look at as well. Mm. And then why do you feel that psychological safety is so important nowadays? And I'm talking about, especially in India, and we're still going through the pandemic, we're seeing <laughs> that how things are happening. How do you yeah. see this entire theory being applied? See, the thing, it comes from two, uh, at least for me, it comes from two, my confidence in psychological safety comes from two sources. One is research. There's so much corporate research that's gone into the idea of psychological safety and it's come out again and again and again in research after research that psychological safety is the single most reliable predictor of employee productivity. And, and earlier people thought that it was just happiness if your employees are happy. Happiness now is being considered a part of safety. You may feel joy when you're feeling unsafe, but you will not be able to experience happiness if you're feeling unsafe. Um, so that, and my anecdotal uh, understanding of it, my own experience of 11 or 12 years of working with corporates over a decade of seeing how amazing people do not behave the same way as, um, uh, you know, as they were intended to, or as they thought they would. And it's just, I mean, look at it this way. Why? And now because you asked like, why in the Indian context is important, right? In the Indian context, it's particularly important because a lot of conversations that happen within the corporations in India happens within the hierarchy, the culture mm. of hierarchy. And that culture of hierarchy is nothing else but an urban, modern uh, copy and paste of caste system. That if you're working for me, you're below me. Not only that your job description is different or your roles and responsibilities are different. The idea is that you're below me as an individual, as a human. So I would ask you to do things that are not part of your job description. Can you fetch my laundry or can you fetch coffee for me or can you fetch that? Or I would ask, I would feel no, uh, no moral qualms about asking you to work overtime and then not paying you overtime. Or but, just the tone and the words that are used to correct you, correct hmm. the behavior or to may help you learn are very oppressive. Hmm. Now, how do you break this? <laughs> I mean, what, what, okay, so one thought which is coming to my mind while you, when you're talking about this, a lot of research which has gone into it. Nowadays, the offices are being designed in a way there is no, the, uh, that you have a separate corner, there's a wall between you and me. It's it's hard desking. You come, you sit wherever, it can, you can sit sit next to anyone. But still, in that context itself, people will again make a group. They're again, uh, will be together with the same sort of people. And then the same sort of barrier will again exist in the same hard desking culture. See, the ergonomic design of an office will definitely help break this. But ergonomic designs in and of themselves are not going to do all the heavy lifting. You know, the, it's a beautiful example that people used to give in India of Delhi and Mumbai, that why the class and caste system exists so much more deeper in Delhi, where somebody would ask you, the first thing that they would do if you're in a conflict is, do you know who my dad is? As opposed to in Mumbai, it seems, at least it seems on the face of it, to be less hierarchical, because in Mumbai you have local trains 
that have been running for more than a hundred years, where you would be, where um, you could be standing next to a Tiffin guy, <coughs> even if you are working as a senior manager in a company, right? And, and so that this whole idea of um, uh, just standing next to each other, standing with each other, does something. But it, we can't wait for 100 years for that to happen in a corporation. So ergonomics design is a very uh, a very good place to start, right? Hmm. But if you end there and you think that all of my responsibilities are done, then that's going to be problematic. So see, so for example, develop a culture in which you send out anonymous surveys about how are people feeling. A, a survey hmm. in which you the messengers knows for sure that they probably a wouldn't be identified and if they are identified they wouldn't be shot mm. so shooting the messenger and and this whole idea of you know this is a lot around introspection if your ceo it starts at the top if the ceo if the the upper management is not egalitarian mm. it's very hard it, it's sort of also it's very hard for everyone else, the lower management, the middle management, and hence like the customer facing or the other business facing people, the client facing individuals are going to receive what the person above them has received. And it's almost like if your CEO or if your manager yells at you day in and day out, whether you are in a hotel or a hospital, you are more likely to instill that fear. It's hurt people hurt people, right? Mm. If your if your if your corporate trauma is not transformed, it will be transferred, and that's mm. important to understand. Mm-hmm. So you're saying um, in a case where the CEO has to take a decision, but in the organization, somebody has to take charge and build this psychological safety at work. Exactly. Who are these people then? These are the trainers, your diversity and inclusion professionals, your uh, uh, employee experience. Uh, managers, your employee engagement people, anyone who looks after the employees have to start training managers as to how to deal with people. We get a lot of training in processes. We get a lot of training in, you know, product. We get very little training in people. So it's not just processes and, and, and products. We need enough and more and regular. It cannot be a one-off thing because if you, because a lot of people also <laughs> think of it psychologically speaking, a lot of people who reach up top have always been ambitious and have always wanted to reach up top, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. And a lot of ambitious people do come with a certain ego battle of their own. Mm-hmm. So if you, you, sorry, sorry, sorry go on. Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm saying, do you have an example in where you can tell a, a small incident to the listeners? Yes, of course. Um, uh, obviously, I won't name the company. But, no, no, uh, don't, don't, no, no naming. Let's, let's, just, yeah, XYZ. Yeah. Let's just say XYZ of an IT company person. Uh, they've just hired this amazing individual who um, has studied in America and have just come back to Bangalore and is just amazingly bright individual, has been hired. And uh, this individual has lived in America for long enough to um, imbibe that culture of flat, like flat to no, no to flat hierarchies, you know, and is being hired. Within six months, this person's like 
the, the project that's being started with this company, there are major flaws in that project, and I cannot seem to criticize it. The moment I criticize it, I feel like I'm an outsider. I have no one wants to talk to me or people yell at me or give me as a silent treatment. My emails don't get answered and such. So what ends up happening is that this person now wants to leave because this person's talented. They can get job anywhere they want. So they actually end up leaving and they're leaving the project midway. They're just like, I do not feel safe enough here. I do not feel valued. I do not feel safe. See, there are three things you can ask to see if you have psychological safety at work. Do I feel comfortable in asking for help? Do I feel pure fear and nothing but fear when I've committed a mistake? Or do I feel uh, okay to criticize a project or a person's behavior who might be above me? Or are we going to go into a place where I'm not allowed to ask for help, I cannot commit a mistake, and I cannot criticize? So if you go into that sort of a mold, then you very well know that you are running a company in which people do not feel safe. They might, and sometimes, you know what, people don't want their employees to feel safe because they actually think fear is a better master than engagement. I, I was coming to yeah. I was Deepak. I was coming to this because, what if the the way the CEO or the top management of an of an organization is working that you know I'll carry a stick and I'll make people work and no matter what where you're coming from, what your experience is, how capable you are, but the management will decide that okay, fear is something. If you do this, you'll be fired. If you do this, these are the repercussions. In that case. Your learning and development team will not be able to bring in the diversity and and the inclusion and the three M's which you've spoken of. How will that happen then? <laughs> it's it's not it's not a sprint. It's a marathon, as they say. It's <clears throat> it takes years to transform a company's culture because you're talking about culture. Uh, I've read in this book written by uh, Jerry Johnson and Devdutt Patnaik together in India that culture is something that you do when no one's looking. You know, that's part of that's part of your culture. That's part of your company culture. That how do I behave when no one's looking? And this is becoming more and more true when a lot of us are working from home. Right. So when a lot of us are working from home, we are having to rely on our feelings about our managers from whatever that little meetings that we have. And we've seen this manager yell and and disparage others in front of others. So we don't feel that we can be. Then it just becomes an episode of Mean Girls. <laughs> you know, and you're not necessarily yeah, yeah. running a company, but you're running a place which where you feel safe by being the top dog. And that's the mm. only way you feel safe. So if managers are able to sort of work on their relationship with power, because listen, we do come from a country where power is not something that comes by every day. We live in a country of one point three billion people and if you have a team of two or three people even working for you you feel like you've been given a magic stick Hmm. 
and that, that I, is so true. Yeah. <laughs> and I've seen a lot of individuals, the exact opposite of everything that I've told you about. I've seen principals of schools who are so humble and talk so gently and kindly. If even if you look at the political scene right now, we never praised the leaders who are humble, intelligent and meek and spoke little. We spoke of leaders who can thump their chest and call them leaders. So the ideals of leadership that have been idolized have been toxic, masculine, muscle power, not the ones who were, you know, brooding, kind, intelligent, had empathy. Those are not the leadership models that have been glorified in larger cultures. I feel Deepak that's slightly changing because a, a few days back I, I was reading this report which came out that Uber and WhatsApp are going to collaborate together. But for collaboration, the most important thing is psychological safety that as an organization, this other organization will not bulldoze me with their ideas. Exactly. Cooperation, not competition. If you look at everyone as a competition, you will not cooperate with them. And it's only through cooperations and only through, um, you know, meaningful attachment and meaningful um, liaisons with others that you'll be able to achieve anything that is worth achieving for everyone. Otherwise, if, you, if you're only looking at it from the point of view of how can I win in this situation, how can I come out as still the upper, upper, you know, the big dog of the situation, then you're always going to make people feel unsafe around you. That was Deepak Kashyap, counseling therapist and life skills trainer talking about psychological safety at work. Deepak works with organizations to build their diversity and inclusion initiatives. He also nurtures LGBTQ2S plus leadership and employ mental health. Reach out to our team to engage with him for more insights on creating psychologically healthy workplace. And stay tuned to TUSB Conversation Starters as we bring you short takes and leading insights from our network of global experts. New episodes every fortnight.